it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer. I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and thanks to Cryomalt, this is Beer as a Conversation, our weekly sit-down with the people shaping the beer industry, and through these conversations, we dig a little deeper into the stories behind the business of beer and brewing. The Australian brewing landscape is evolving rapidly, and here we try and make sense of what is happening, and better understand the issues and the people shaping the industry. This week, I head out of isolation for a conversation that I've long been looking forward to as I head to Moffat Beach on Queensland's Sunshine Coast and chat with Matt and Sharon Wilson. This is a conversation that could have stretched over a couple of episodes, depending on where I wanted it to go. But as always, we just went where the conversation took us, and no doubt we will have the chance to go back and pick up some of the threads at another time. I sure would like to follow up on some of the things that they said. In this conversation, though, we learn how a Sydney couple working in the money markets decided to move their family to the Sunshine Coast after chancing upon an ad for a failing beachside coffee shop while reading the paper in bed one Saturday morning. They took it on with little hospitality experience, no background in beer or brewing, and now are the most highly awarded brewery on the Sunshine Coast and about to open their second, much larger venue. This is one of those stories that could have gone either way. It could have been a crashing disaster or it could have been a triumph. And fortunately, it's looking like the latter. It's a great story about having a go, making mistakes and learning in business. And it's a fun conversation with two people that almost define why small, local and independent businesses really matter. Matt and Sharon, welcome to Beer as a Conversation. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> this is our first non-lockdown conversation in about two months, so I'm very, very excited. So uh, please forgive me if uh, if this just goes all over the place. But uh, thank you very much for having me at uh, Moffat Beach Brewing. You're welcome. Yep. Thanks for thanks for coming, Matt. <laughs> so yeah, look. And guys, tell it, it is still morning, so I'm still on the coffees, not even getting to have a beer, and I've got to drive home. But guys, tell us a little bit about how you came to be it, because you're not locals. You haven't, you know, sort of popped up where you you, you lived you're a tourist in, in in a sense you uh you, you lobbed here a couple of years ago tell us about the story that led to the story of Moffat Beach um yeah look uh we were both living and working in the financial markets in Sydney prior to that I was um in the military for a number of years and Sharon had wanted to get out of Sydney for quite some time we had two little girls and I was made redundant from my job and Shaz had just gone back uh, to work from maternity leave and that her wage wasn't going to cut it and we had a few little, um, we had a little bit of money in the bank from my redundancy and we were just in bed one one Sunday morning. (laughs) Seth's so bad. (laughs) Business 101 um, start with a plan. Shaz found this little place for sale on the beach at Moffat Beach and she said, look at this place, it's going cheap, it looks all right. (laughs) Going cheap, that was all I was looking for. And so we flew up and we had a look and it was absolutely piercing down with rain. You couldn't see the beach. It was obvious that the guy had gone broke in here. There was not a soul. And Shaz said, I don't know. I said, no, we can do this. (laughs) 
So we. I mean, it's a bit big. It's a bit big. And <laughs> now, uh, uh, just to paint a, like a picture, we're not talking about there wasn't a brewery. It was just a little was beachside a, cafe. It was yep. an ex patisserie turned cafe. And the way it was set up, it was just all wrong. It had. It had no. It had a liquor license, but you couldn't tell that it, they even sold a glass of wine here. It was just. It was a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I looked at it. I looked at the equipment in here, and I just thought, even if we go broke, we could just sell off all the equipment, and we'll be <laughs> we'll, we'll be right. Which was pretty naive. And then yeah, we packed the kids in the car, and we drove up the. Um, how, how, how long after? Like, how, how long did you de- so deliberate we came on the decision? Up, we came up in October and had a look. Yeah. Was it the or was it end of September? It was the end of September. End of September. 2014. 2014. Oh, 20, 20, okay, 20, okay. Yeah, and then by October we'd set the company up. We we came up to sign. We signed the lease and everything, and then the settlement day was the twenty third of November, I think. So we. Packed the kids up, 14-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Hindsight's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Probably. And we just I wouldn't have done it if I'd known better. Going, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have done it if I'd known better, but, hey, we had nothing stopping us. So we just, we just couldn't do our jobs in a small town. And we had to find something we could do. And the only way, I had to pounce on it then because I didn't want Matt to find another job finance in the city because <laughs> then we'd be stuck in Sydney and so we just drove up the highway and when we got here on settlement day we actually drove down Seaview Terrace over the hill and it was probably one of the most beautiful days that you get and, in Queensland. And for, for, for those who don't know Moffat Beach is at the southern end of the Gold Coast. It's, Sunshine uh, Coast. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sunshine Way too Coast. much time off man. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is a little bit but it's at the southern end of the uh, Sunshine Coast about an hour north of Brisbane, mm-hmm. you're just past the tip of Bribey Island, Caloundra, which is kind of a retirement village end of... <laughs> well, it's always been known as that, but yeah, it but is a changing, changing scenery. Yeah. But you come over a hill and you've just got this amazing... You've got pines by the beach, it's, a little shelf The beach faces beach. north northeast, so when the weather's beautiful, it can look absolutely beautiful out there. There is a surf break. So we have um, the Murrumpah Bendel Surf Competition every year, um, it's, which is as old as the Bells Beach Surf Comp. It's the second oldest in second Australia. Second oldest in Australia. It's, it's like the best kept secret of the Sunshine Coast. Well, it was. It was. You can blame <laughs> us for that. <laughs> but I can imagine that on a, on a, on a rainy day, because it, it's, it's not, it, it doesn't have all of the glitz and glamour of the Gold Coast or even parts of the you know, Noosa. Mooloola Bar. And They're Noosa. Coming here on a wet day, seeing a pretty ordinary former patisserie cafe, um, it, it took a little bit of vision to see what it could be. Yeah, well, I did say, I said, it's a bit big. And I goes, nah, we'll do this, we'll be right. <laughs> but when we first got here, we got the keys. We only had a month's free rent and so because we didn't know any better at the time either. <laughs> so we um, were working to a time frame to get it open and, and operating. And so we were in here painting, doing things. Um, people were walking past, poking their heads in. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And we go, oh, we don't know. We didn't have a plan. We didn't know what food we were going to sell. I started cooking. I was making coffee. But I suppose the, the light bulb moment for us was because I've always loved beer. Um, and but was, drinking it as opposed to making it. Well, Absolutely. Getting- at that stage, I was a, I was, um, I was a consumer. Uh, I still am. 
Um, Had you the, ever made a beer before you no, came? No, not at all. Um, yeah, no, we did those brew by you style oh, things. Oh, yeah, that doesn't count. Once or twice. Um, <laughs> no, but um, the light bulb sort of moment for us was we were in here working, um, painting the walls and whatnot, still had no idea sort of what we were going to do, and we went round to the local BWS and we got a six-pack of Four Pines Parlour and we sat out there on those benches and it was a Sunday afternoon and we watched the two cafes either side of us pack up at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and it was just teeming with people. And I said to Shaz, why is no one doing beer here? Like, it's just, this place is born for someone to just do some good beer here, put on some music, and then that's what we did. So the first thing we did was... Um, I was a fan of Four Pines beers in, in those days and, and I saw it in the back of my mind, had the little dream of putting um, you know, a little microbrewery in here but had no idea how we were going to do it. Um, and they gave us a, a little kegerator and we had, um, we had Four Pints Kolsch on and then it just went off. And then we put on, I said to Brad Fidge, who was the, their sales rep at the time, I said, Fidgey, I need, a, I need another kegerator. Um, so then we had their pale ale on and then um, we just, I said to Shaz, I said, we need to put in some beer taps. So we, um, yeah, we put in a tap system and I think we started with um, Four Pines Kolsch, Four Pines Pale Ale, Stone and Wood Pacific Ale, Moobrew Pilsner, Holgate, Mount Macedon Pale Ale and there was one more, Murray's Whale Ale. And that was our, um, that's what we started with, which was, probably pretty radical for this area at that time absolutely yeah, and it would have been and uh, i mean there's a difference between putting it on and you know it's not necessarily as a lot of people find you build it and they come did people come um yeah no look at at that stage stone and wood pacific Isle was just starting to hit its tra- hit its straps so we were selling we were selling heaps of that we were selling heaps of the four pines kolsch um and even the even the whale up, like people were going, oh, this is different. But we were, we were moving through the kegs. How I, I just started brewing at home to educate myself on what it was that I was selling, and and how I got into that was um, was um, Dan Rawlings, and I'll and I'll always be thankful for him. Um, he he said that um, he, he was repping. He, he was repping for Holgate at Holgate the time. At that stage, yeah. And. Um, there was an event on um, at Bruce Vegas at Archive and Paul Holgate came up and he was brewing his um, road trip IPA on a brew-in-a-bag system. And um, Dan just said, why don't you and Shaz come down and, and, and look at this? It'll be a good day. So we drove down and, and it was awesome. And I, I looked at it and I saw Paul brew this beer on a 40-litre urn and I went, I, I can, can do fucking that. do that. <laughs> you even built, and the, then, built it almost exactly the same way. Yeah, and I just, I just got my tools out and I built this thing and I bought an urn off Roscoe at Craft Brewer and, um, yeah, and away I went. And, um, and I just had this vision. I said, we can, we can do this. And so every Tuesday was my day off and I would brew every Tuesday and I just treated it like a job. Um, sometimes I brew twice in that We're day. We're getting more and, then, and more um, stuff downstairs and then in the it garage. Just, I overtook the garage. <laughs> um, and then one day Shaz just said, look, the beers at home are tasting just as good, if not better, than the stuff that we're buying in. Maybe we could um, put a little brewery in that dead space. 
which no one ever sat there. And, and when I say dead space, space, yeah, because uh, where, where so, so we're in a cafe with big um, accordion glass doors, as you yep. can imagine, at a, at a beachfront place. There's a dark little corner um, in, in the cafe, um, but everyone obviously wants to sit out and see the ocean. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about the view here. Um, well, I think it is. <laughs> but um, the space at the back, yeah, we worked out when we put the brewery in, we probably only lost four tables of space that were ever used anyway and four tables what's that's nothing so uh and we lost the stage for the musicians and they had to you know stand in front of the steel so that that was the only adjustment we did just before we move on and start talking about the the, the brewing side of it though I, just already i pick up a little bit about both of you that you're willing to have a go like you you, you don't doubt your ability to to make things work um yeah absolutely we're both very driven people, um, you know, and we're not afraid of hard work. For the first couple of years here, I was on that coffee machine every single day, um, being in the out. Shaz was in a kitchen. We, we then realised that we needed a... Um, needed a, a, needed a proper chef. chef. <laughs> um, not that I can't cook, okay? But, you know, quality's always been paramount with what we do, you know, with the coffee, with the food. Um, sometimes it hasn't always been at the standards that we expect, Um but we always strive to, you know, we just haven't been content with putting out a mediocre product. And, and that goes with sort of everything that we've done. Um, and look, you know, hard work's been the backbone of it, but it's not just that, you know, we're willing to have a go. Yeah, and we know that I think now with the position we're in at the moment, with all this COVID-19 and expansion and things like that, I, I'm not as afraid as I would have maybe have been before purely because i know we can do it it's it's okay but hospitality is a particular industry i I think a lot of people you know they holiday at the beach one day and they think i could do that you know i could do that and you know everybody thinks they can open a coffee shop for example yeah oh my dream is to have a coffee shop in a quiet town and i've and you know it's not like that at all but you guys had no background in hospitality i've had a little bit I had none. Oh, look, I, I had worked, I'd always worked two jobs, and I guess maybe that's just trying to survive in Sydney, but because <laughs> everything costs so much more. But I'd always had two jobs growing up, but one of my first jobs out of school was working for um, a hotel that friends of my parents owned, and they needed an administration assistant. So I learned to do all the payroll. It was the old Bundy clock. I'm not that old, but the Bundy clock style that those days where you Bundy on and Bundy off, and I had to sit there with all the time cards, work out everybody's wages, understood how to do all the penalties, and all of that back from, you know, 20 years ago. So I had that background, which really helped here, because I was well, Matt focused on the coffee, and while I cooked for the first two, three weeks, after that I was the HR, the purchaser, the marketing, everything else. So having the, the previous hospitality back office experience was extremely helpful. It was at the insight that everyone else was closing. Everyone here was for the morning coffee. No one was here for the afternoon beers was that do you think the insight that really gave you the advantage or gave gave you the uh, the, the the winning edge yeah i think so too i think um we, we get a lot of comments from customers that say geez you guys work hard it's we really like seeing people have a go and i think when people see you working hard they appreciate the effort that you put into things and i think that makes them 
them come around a lot more. Well, the afternoon things, it was screaming out for it, like Matt said. It just wasn't happening here, you know, and but, I'm so surprised that no one had done it. But, I mean, even the little things, like I say to customers, they go, oh, you know, but we've got the kids. I said, bring them down. Kids don't see live music anymore. It's getting shoved into little dark nightclubs in the back of, in you know, bars in the back of the boondocks. Nobody gets to see it because of all the restrictions and the rules around things. But if and we pokies. put it on And pokies. And we put them on in the afternoon and then people can walk down, the kids in their prams, whatever. They can sit down, they can have a nice quality beer because it's quality, not quantity, we find. You know, you can have two or three beers and you've had a great afternoon listening to some live music, doing something, letting the kids experience something that they just don't get anymore. You know, I grew up listening to live music, so... I knew if uh, mum and dad had Fleetwood Mac on in rural Canada, <laughs> there was a party on <laughs> Friday night. <laughs> it was on. <laughs> so talk to us about the decision to put the, the brewery in. Was it just because you had the space and Matt's beers were as good or did you, you know, had you seen the, the growth of craft breweries around the place and thought it a might bit, be... A bit of both. I suppose what... Um, what really sort of made me think I can do it was um, Hugh Doyle came up, who was our sales rep for um, Stone and Wood at the time, and um, he brought Brad Rogers up and sat here with um, at this table and and had a coffee with um, Brad and breakfast and and Hugh and and Brad said, you know, was, I talked to him that I was home brewing and he said, is your aim to put in a little microbrewery here? And I said, well, I don't know, I don't really know how to go about it but I'd love to and and he just said just just do it mate he probably doesn't remember that conversation but it it stuck with me and that was probably when I thought well let's do it and Sharon's been really really sort of supportive and a driver of it pretty much um she was like yep how can we do this how can we do this and um we just got it done we made a few mistakes. I made heaps of mistakes. <laughs> well, talk, talk us about that. So, because the little brewery, it, it's only two hundred liters, is it? Three. It's three hundred. But I push it to about three hundred and fifty. <laughs> um, I, I get as much out of it as I can. Um, but it owns me. I don't own it. Like I'm, I'm in here a lot. Um, but yeah, we and we've just started. Um, Last year, we did a collaboration with the other Matt Wilson down at... Um, Seven Mile. Down at Seven Mile. So we, we brewed a beer together and he said to me, why don't you chuck some ingredients in your ute and, and do a gypsy brew down here because he knew that we were struggling to keep up. And I'd resisted it for so long and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to go and do it. It'll be a good experience for me as well, um, brewing on a bigger kit. So, yeah, I chucked the ingredients in the ute Went down there, we brewed our summer ale down there and we put it into cans and we've just been going down there ever since and, and, and brewing and it's been great for us, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. And we sell most of them through here. We're in a few of the little bottle shops down the southern end of the coast. And, and that's only a new thing because for the first... Uh, uh, the first one we did... Last September that? or last something? Se- September last year was when we brewed the first batch. August, August or something, August yeah. August or September last year. But it, it's kind of, that's the hindsight, look at it. Oh, I wish we did that earlier. But we were so busy and it, you do get tunnel vision when you're trying to, especially running the hospitality side of the business, you get your tunnel vision, you've got so many things you've got to do, you sort of think an extra thing to do, it's a bit hard, put it on the back burner, you know, a bit of resistance against it and and if we'd done it two years earlier, it would have been great for us two years ago too, but everything sort of fell into place 
like it usually does. It happens when when you need it to happen, and and that's what we've been doing ever since. And that's been really helpful for us and got us through this season. Mm-hmm. But hiccups, you know, from when we first put this brewery in, I set out with the mindset: Are we going to do this right? We're going to get the right sort of loans for this because we had to we had to get finance. Um, because a brewery this size costs the same amount. <laughs> well, wasn't too much cheaper than a big one. Wasn't too much cheaper yeah. than a big one. But so you couldn't put a bigger one in either. Oh, God, we, no. Probably, no. we probably could have put one a little bit bigger. Yeah, maybe, I, I think we, we could Maybe have, five heck. We could have not. Um, yeah, we probably could have put, you know, 500 litres, which, and in hindsight, instead of, like, you can see we've got the little tanks there. We started off with all those little tanks and we probably should have put in tanks that enabled us to do double batches yeah. um but i didn't know like i'm well, well let's go from it so you'd be home brewing yep suddenly brad rogers says go and do it go and do it go and do <laughs> a brewery Thanks, <laughs> what was the next step you know did did you have contacts with equipment makers did you have a consultant no, that a, you could we, speak we used to a consultant um and, and look we um yeah we went down that route because we didn't know to go to China we wanted direct as much or assistance and, and, as and I wanted as much assistance as possible scaling up the recipes and, and, and whatnot and um, we maybe didn't get the assistance that we thought we were gonna get but that's cool. Um, that made me learn it a lot quicker and made me a better brewer. Um, it did take me a little while to dial the system in. Um, it was at least six months until I was happy with the beers that I was pumping out. Um, Look, a lot of the locals loved what still I was doing. Still drank it. Um, and they still <laughs> drank it. And, and even one of my really good mates, Steve Crawford, he goes, geez, the beer was shit, but we drank it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's but, because um, they're spoiled now. Yeah. Um, but, and one of the best things we did was what was then the Craft Beer Awards was on in Brisbane. I think that was 2016. We went to Brewcon, 2016. Yeah, it wasn't called Brewcon then, but... Um, and we entered... I think five or six beers, and we got nothing. Not, not, not a thing. And the feedback was brutal. And rather than get disheartened by that and um, you know down about it or go, what do they know or anything like that, I took it on board. There was one common fault in every single beer, and I said, okay, what's causing that? And I just really used that feedback to um, to improve the beers. And how did you do that? What what did you do? Did you go to see someone else? Did you get some no, training? Did you get someone into work he, through? Or you no, just... I worked it out. Um, Google searched. So um, one of the faults <laughs> was every single beer was oxidised. So I had to work out where that was occurring, and I, and and I worked it out. It was I wasn't purging when I was transferring from the fermenter into the bright tank. I just wasn't purging the line with CO two, which is so. Simple, and I kicked myself for not realizing that, but that's where I was doing it. So, um, you know, instantly the beers improved overnight, and then there was just a few other little things. So, then the next year we we entered some beers um, down in Adelaide, Adelaide, and you know we got a gold and two silvers, and then it was just a, just a constant improvement, um, you know, year on year on year. So, yeah, that's sort of how that that's evolved. So, looking back at that. Is there anything that you really, you know, it sounds like you've learned a lot and you've sort of taken that on board. Is there anything if you went back, you just go, this is something that I would absolutely have wanted to know then that would have saved me a whole lot of grief um, when I was opening up the brewery? Um, probably not because I probably wouldn't have done it. 
Um, <laughs> Done it at all? <laughs> maybe not, you know. <laughs> if I had known it was going to be this hard, I might have just kicked it into touch. And, you know, that would be a shame because I really do love it. Um, the one thing that I really would have done differently is put bigger tanks in from the get-go or a bit bigger of a system. And that's why we're probably going a little bit bigger than what we need to with the second one. Um, just so that I don't fall into into that sort of trap again. Because I was chasing my tail for... Well, I have been just chasing my tail for the last three or four or five, five years, years, basically. Five years. Um, you know, I, I'll empty a tank, clean it, and then I'm filling it, you know, straight away. And I'm... Um, and I don't care what day that has to happen on. It, it can, if it's a Sunday and I have to come in here and work, and I still do that, I come in here on a Sunday and I fill that tank. Um, you know, if, if I've got, um, you know, I don't clean kegs on a, um, on a Sunday because it's noisy and it... Customers and music. That, but yeah. if I've got to work on a Saturday or a Sunday, I don't, I don't care. I've got to come in here and... I'll, and I just do it. Yeah. And is is that the aspect that you think back to and you think I wouldn't have done it, or was was it a whole lot of other? Was it a lack of enjoyment in what you were doing? Because it no. sounds like you love what you're doing. It just yeah, sounds I do like love what was... I'm doing. It's probably not that, that the, the work doesn't bother me. It's probably look. There was a few sleepless nights with the financial aspect of it because we did it all wrong. Yeah. How we in in, in what sense though? Uh, we. Ordered the equipment. See, for us, we had an investment property somewhere else and that area went kaput. So we didn't have, um, like, a lot of people mortgage their houses to buy their equipment. Well, we didn't have that because we couldn't use our house to, to do that. So we actually had to get finance. We got – I wanted to set up chattel mortgage-style finance because I'm a firm believer in paying off your equipment that way and not having – um, equipment loans, well, equipment rental, and we ended up getting almost tricked into equipment rental. It was ah. it was because we desperately needed the money at the time, mm. and a few things went through with that. They were probably one step above a loan shark. These guys. <laughs> <laughs> just, and for, for for those who are listening that are maybe you know considering equipment, just explain the difference between those two concepts. Oh, well, it, this is chattel, not my area. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the chattel mortgage, you're paying everything off to own it. And you pay your monthly. It's like buying a car. That's a chattel mortgage. Um, with the equipment rental, basically leasing the equipment to the end of the lease, and then you have to make a balloon payment. But depends what interest rate you get. And we got stuck with something like a twelve and a half percent interest. It was more than that. It was maybe sixteen percent interest. I think it was. And it was. It was. We nearly went broke. Us. We nearly went under. And we got a new accountant, which is what you need to do. You need to have a good accountant. And we got a really good accountant who we worked out how we could do this. And we ended up paying out the the lease for the equipment first, and that saved us. We worked out a way and, and not owing money, like le- rental lease on the equipment, means the money you're making over your bar or however else you're selling your beer is yours. If you're, if you're leasing all of your equipment, so much of that money, that profit that you make goes into that and you really have to do your sums because that, that will make or break you. The other thing that I would really recommend to anyone that um, is thinking about 
going into any business, not necessarily this one, is we, we, we had an investor and he was a friend and it, um, we thought it was ending amicably at the time and it, and it, and it hasn't. Make sure that you've got everything squared away, agreement-wise, um, before you get into that situation because, you know, you get into things like shareholder beers and it'll be right, you know, we're mates and, and it, it ends up it's... It, it, may not be right down the end of the down the end of the road um and if you can do it by yourself do it by yourself yes. because at the moment Sharon and I are the only investors in this thing um and it's okay if we have a fight because you know we're just sleeps on the lounge it's all yeah, okay yeah. <laughs> um but yeah it's if you're going into that. business with anyone else just make sure you've got everything squared away before you um all your agreements legally in place before you literally jump into bed with someone yeah and and we got out of that fine too we everything was paid out sorted out but it definitely as soon as we changed the financial structure of the brewing side the brewing side of things we noticed a, a huge change in our financial situation for the front of house as well it was the make or break yeah, when, it, when we sorted out that finance and when it just became Sharon and myself, yeah. the what business was went ahead that, in leaps and bounds. What was it then that sparked you to get a new accountant? Because these are the, it, it sounds like these are the hidden things. You, you, you can be doing everything the same, but just change one little thing and you get a, a bit of advice to change the this. The funniest thing was with the accountant, I got recommended this guy. So I went down to the bank and the um, business manager for the ComBank said to me, because she was leaving to work in her her current business, and she said, "Oh, I've got this new accountant. He's unreal. He won't charge you until he looks at your books, and he tells you he can get you back how much money you've been missing out on in your tax returns over the last two years." And I went, "Okay." So she gave me his details, which I'm sure she got a little referral fee which was fine with me. I'm all for paying people if they, you know, everyone's worth their bid. Anyway. Um, I contacted him. He had a look at our books and our setup and everything, and he didn't charge us to do the redo the tax returns for the first years, and he got us money back. And it was that not having to outlay the money straight away was always the problem because you, whenever you're looking at using those sorts of services like lawyers, accountants, all you think about is how am I going to pay for this? Because unfortunately they all go oh yeah you just write it off on tax it's business cost but you've got to have the money to spend the money so if he hadn't done that sort of a deal for us to show what he could give us I wouldn't have been able to just feel like I could do it because I didn't have the money but because he offered that and then he found us 80 grand where we hadn't hadn't received in tax returns so when he relodged things we didn't have as much money much tax to pay everything was he just and then we when we went to um adelaide and brewcon in adelaide and learn about r&d in the middle of the conference i'm texting him going r&d we've got to get r&d <laughs> and he's always been really responsive um gives us a lot of time and i think that's really helped us know that we can talk to someone about it. We get an idea or we think something, we can go, what do you think of this? Is this right? All this COVID-19 things, this grant, this thing, you know, somebody to bounce those ideas off. Because we had an accountant before and while they were great, 
I couldn't just ring him. Mm. I really couldn't just ring them up and just say, what do we do here? Without thinking, you know, I still pay our accountant now, but it's because the, the business has developed, he can afford to charge me, charge me more. Mm-hmm. And it works, works, so it's a win-win. <laughs> I just, the guys we had before just weren't as thorough. Yep. Um, he's very thorough and, um, you know, that, that's his thing, doing the numbers. But I think without him, I'm not sure if he'd be here. Yeah. He opened up our eyes and into different ways to run the business. And, and what else have you learned? Because it, it, we've talked about hospitality and one of the things we talked about a little bit off mic is a lot of businesses with breweries see themselves as breweries. But you guys started as a hospitality business. So I'd, I'd imagine that you've always taken this place as a hospitality business more so than a brewery. Yeah, well, we're a hospitality place first. And, and that's how we had to get our our license first with the with the brewery we actually had to operate under a restaurant license we didn't have a yeah, council wouldn't let us operate under a um producer wholesale a wholesale license. producer license here so we had to yeah operate under a cafe restaurant license, license. um which was fine because then the brewing's just ancillary to what you're doing so but the only problem with that is you can't sell your beer anywhere else you can't have a tap anywhere else you t- can't go to festivals unless you pay all this extra money for these extra licences for the day. Um, and did you know that at the time? And yeah, we did. We yeah. did know that. They did say that. But it was it was our – we always tend to do things stepping stones, you know, because we've always been um, organic in how we do things, relying on paying for things as you pay for them and, and grow – we didn't have a big kitty in the bank just to go, oh, we'll get that. Oh, we'll pay this person to get us this. It's just, it's just been organic and we had to do things the way we had to do them to get them started. So Realistically on that as well, though, we probably didn't envisage ourselves expanding. We thought we were just going to have this little brew pub on the beach um, and, and having fun here and playing our live music and, and whatnot. We didn't envisage growing as much as we have and it was... Only when we won a few awards and we couldn't go to the local craft beer festival that was on here and then we wrote a letter to council and just said, you know, we're one of, if not the most awarded brewery on the Sunshine Coast and we can't go to the Sunshine Coast craft beer festival. And they went, oh, that's a bit silly. So then they've allowed, now they've allowed us to get the wholesale producer licence. Okay. Just to, to put it in context, how much beer are you making a year at the moment, Matt? Oh, I don't uh, know. It'd be... <laughs> All about figures. Through, no this, idea. Um, <laughs> through this brewery here, I think we did about 42,000 litres last year. Um, that's running it as hot as I can. Mm. But I for a lot of breweries, that wouldn't there. be a commercial... Vol- I mean, if, if your business was geared up around wholesaling in any capacity, that's just not a commercial not. volume. No. no, no. But because we're only selling it off our own taps, mm. you know, and, and struggling to keep up with supply... We will talk about the, the, the new production brewery and uh, venue that you're going to grow into. Could you keep the size that you are and you know, have, a, have a sustainable little business? Absolutely. It's been, the last couple of years have been really good for us. But the issue that we've got is we just can't make enough of it to sustain this little spot here and that so you can't even sustain here no. anymore no, okay. there was um probably well, two christmas, christmas time yeah, it's christmas ago January. i was down to one tap of our own beer so and, and that was a stout so <laughs> everything we just got absolutely smashed and we we're buying 
beer in from other breweries, which is great, and we love buying beer from other breweries. But you know, I, I was just you kind of want your own beer on when you're yeah, a brewery. I was exhausted, <laughs> and, and customers were getting the shits. They've gone, well, we've come here to try your beer, and you've got one beer on of your own, and it's a stout, and <laughs> it would summer. just stress <laughs> me out so much. I'd be tearing my hair out, and um, so we need to make more. At least we've got one customer. If everything doesn't go great at the other brewery, we can still sell beer to this place, you know. So yep. um, I'm sure we'll be fine. We'll be able to sell sell beer. But, um, yeah, we just could not keep up here, especially during those busy holiday periods. Um, and even sort of now during this COVID thing, we're still selling quite a bit of beer. It's the one thing that's been sort of keeping us going with the cans. And we, we bought one of those benchtop canning machines and the appetite for that has just been insatiable. Um, guys have been coming in and, like, one lady bought, what was it? 20. 20 cans and 10 of them were stouts of these 500 mil cans. And then she pulled up in a little trolley. Trolley and Those beach off trolleys from Kmart. Off she went. <laughs> just went, wow, I haven't seen that before. And then some other guy came in and he got, like, 10 500 mil cans of our double IPA at 9%. And I went, you're in, you're in for a wild ride, mate. <laughs> Well, Sharon said before that one of the things you've done, you've, you've done things incrementally. And, and I guess that has also meant you've not then had to take that big upfront loan. Yep. How much has that helped, that approach helped, you know, through COVID-19 where you haven't had this huge, you know, debt that you've had, you've had to service at a time when things oh, have been a little bit... I hate to think if we'd had the monthly instalments we were paying for this going when COVID-19 hit. I don't know what we would have done. I don't know how how it would have worked. It's been I've because we haven't had those problems for was it two years now, two and a half years. Um, we've almost gotten gotten used to how we've been operating now, self sufficient. Um, and I just think we would have we would have had to have closed. I don't know how we could have done it. I probably would have run around chasing. Or asking for forgiveness from everybody a lot more than I've needed to. So taking on the cost of expanding the venue, uh, Matt, you were saying you've got a great relationship with the other um, <laughs> Matt Wilson. Yep. So you've been heading down the highway, down to Ballina, getting the beers uh, going there. What's the attraction of you know, having a second venue and taking on all of the debt to expand your business when you do have a, like a, a fairly good relationship that you can call on to ease that uh, production burden when you can just go down you know brew down at uh, seven mile yep why, why build our own yeah, okay um look i really enjoyed driving down there and and spending um you know two days brewing and packaging down Away there as well the and listening and, to beers of conversation <laughs> yep and we um listening to beers of conversation and um you know and matt and i get on really well and we have a few um, we, we, we don't get on the beers or anything down there. Like we probably have one after work, and and we um, share a beer at lunchtime. Um, but that's about it. I really enjoy that. But I suppose there's just this little bit of fire in inside both of Sharon and myself to sort of get to that next step. Um, and initially, we wanted to um, just put a little a bigger brewery in Moffat Beach and just stay truly local but council wouldn't let us go in there because of a zoning issue 
even though they've let us put one on the beach, which I don't get. But anyway, um, <laughs> so then we found this other site, and it's. I just looked at it, and it's brand new. It's a clean slate, and there's like Caloundra is a growing, um, and the Sunshine Coast is a growing region, and I just know it's going to work there. And it's going to be a hospitality venue as well. Like it's not just going to be a production facility. Um, we'll be able to fit, like it's 200 square metres of hospitality space in there. Um, we're going to have quite a few taps, so um, yeah, it's a, it's a new project as well it's, and it's been fun. It's been And we're ready. It's, um, it's, it's hard to it's hard to imagine but when you have all your, it almost feels like we've had all our eggs in one basket in this place so if this isn't working then we've got nothing and I think once you've been doing something for a while it's really important to be able to expand and then have have options. Does that sound yeah. funny? I no. mean, it just feels like. Oh, the other thing too. It sounds. We, it, it, it sounds like you're a little bit bored that things are going too well <laughs> oh, here for we're you. Not, we're not bored. We're definitely <laughs> not bored. But I um, need a holiday. I was hoping COVID shut us down for two or four weeks. It would have been. Yeah, nice. I would have loved it if we had been shut totally down and had two <laughs> we weeks just off. Have but a break. We've probably worked harder this last couple of weeks than what we have the last couple of years because we've had to come in here and keep, look, the, I, keep I it open for the, staff. I was back on the coffee machine over the long weekend and um, winching about it. Yeah, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, look to answer your question, I suppose if we don't have a crack. We'll never know. We will die wondering. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we definitely will die wondering. Um, imagine if we had a had a had a go at that. We get a lot of inquiries about our beer. Yep. People from all around Australia. We got people from Western Australia constantly saying, "When can we get your beer over here?" And but w- will you satisfy? W- will you send the beer over there? Um, not sure. Look, we, we, this is what I, we mean by organic. We're not we're not sure yet. We have plans, but we don't have plans, and we never say never. I definitely don't have aspirations to be nationwide or anything like that. um, But if it happens... I do have aspirations to have a good little crack here in southeast Queensland and then we'll we'll go from there. I've got a few good connections with some publicans and stuff with guys I went to school with in Sydney. I know that we can get some beer in down there, but maybe, hopefully, we run into the same problem we've had and we can't keep up here, so (laughs) we'll see. You're making about 43,000 litres here if you're really maxing out the system. What, what's the production targets with the new venue? Tell us about the, the, the new brewery. You've, you've gone with a it's Chinese It's a 20 hec system. Um, we went with Tiantai. Sharon and I flew over to China in 2018. October 18, yeah. Um, we went to the beverage, and beverage Expo that they had on in Shanghai. And we just figured we could get all of the, well, the majority of the brewery manufacturers in the one spot at the one time and um, and I did we came back with about a short list of five or six manufacturers that we would be comfortable working with um, one of them did the kit that we're currently working on and um, Tiantai just hit that sweet spot of price and, and quality for us so um, and they've been good it's dragged on um, because we've had they've had a few delays at our end and at their end, and we've had a few delays here. We've had um, we're probably on our um, third third site that because the first one fell through because the um, the owner of the land sold it to someone else, and then then that fell through, and then um, so that got 
scratched and then the other site that we wanted to go to we had to do a, um, a full DA and then the site where we're in um, at the moment we thought that it was medium impact zone which would be great we can just go straight in there then after about four or five meetings the um, the landlord said oh no we're specialist centre so we ended up having to do a DA anyway but we'd pretty much fallen in love with the site by that stage so um, should never get emotionally attached no oh, we weren't really but we could just see that it was a great site yep. um, and it is a great site it's on the main road into town um, so we've had a fair few delays and then there was Chinese New Year, which Chinese. was COVID nineteen, hit them and shut them down, and then it shut us down. The gear was supposed down. to arrive in February, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was actually mid January, and then yeah, it got pushed out to it, February. And then, yeah, it's going to be August, I reckon, by the time we get it. And how are you feeling about taking on? You know, because you'll be managing two venues then, and you know, some one of the things that we haven't really touched on during Look, the interview. I, I don't think, and. From my experience, if I've got 10 people working here or if I've got... We currently have anywhere from 10 to 23, depending what's happening in the area. But if we got another extra 10 people here, it wouldn't be any harder to manage. So if we're putting them out there or having them here, then it doesn't matter. Well, I guess that's a question. You, you, you are, you know, whether it was here or there, yep. um, managing staff, particularly in hospitality, um, highly casualised workforce, there were a whole lot of challenges with that. Um, are, are you concerned about, or are you excited about that prospect? or are you? Look, I'm a little concerned with how we're going to manage that, but... I'm not we'll so right. much. Procedure-wise, we have everything in place for that sort of thing. It's just basically who we hire from here on in for personality's sake. I am this time, though, because we've set up a new company because I want to run them separately but the same, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, we are going to use a HR specialist company um, to help us with a lot of our contracts and things like that because I just feel in the air at the moment employment's getting harder and harder and harder and hospitality industries are being uh, targeted by the ATO for payroll and things like that same when and people like those restaurants in Melbourne and even Woolworths mispaid all of their staff we don't want to be the next George <laughs> <laughs> but even saying that you know I know as an employer I would never do it on purpose but I think mistakes happen and look Woolworths have all of those lawyers and it's a complicated and they're very complicated awards and all it takes is one mistake and the wrong employee or the right employer depends which side of the fence you're sitting on to bring it up and all of a sudden you've got a big problem on your hand that you didn't know about and I'm a little bit over that stage of managing staff I've like I said we've got usually around 23 here up to 26 in summer um, at the Beachside Brewery at the moment purely because they all want to be casual I've tried to make people full-time they don't want it they want to dictate when they work they want to tell me what suits them and so I have a a big cross-section of different skills. I've got juniors right up to people who just make the coffee. So, and then there's the chefs. They're always permanent full-timers. Um, but then their kitchen hands are casuals. So it's just balancing. And all of this is about to double for you? Yeah, sort of. We'll use rotate a lot of the staff here into the new venue. Um, 
we've got probably too many chefs in the kitchen, fully qualified. We've got about four fully qualified chefs working for us at the moment. At the moment, you don't need that many. But um, definitely in summer when we need them. But it's it'll be more people, but I don't see it as more of a burden. But I'll, like I said, I'll use that employment agency and let them do deal with the, the hard bits. As we bring this um, interview, and there's a whole lot um, that we'll do, but we might do a follow-up after you've got the new brewery open. So we can <laughs> sort of, uh, say, go I back told you so. Are you coping? Are we going, anybody. no? <laughs> <laughs> but just thinking back to, to that morning when you're lying in bed um, in Sydney, do you wish you'd never seen that ad? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, it's the best thing we've done. Like Our kids love it here. Like they're, well, they don't remember they're, they're, they're anything. They're Queenslanders. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a Queenslander too now. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm blue, still... Co- uh, cane, uh, cane toads or cockroaches? Oh, I'm a cockroach. I, I, I'm still barrack for the blues. In okay. the <laughs> we can't help it. <laughs> There's blue central here. Sorry. Adds a bit of colour up here, yeah. <laughs> don't tell everyone though, they get upset. <laughs> but but you please, like, you, you, you haven't... Um, oh, absolutely, had... absolutely love it. Um... Yeah, Sharon's mum lives up here as well. She lives she at Dickie Beach, um, and I've got um, family up here as well. My uncle lives at Gympie, so we're not we weren't totally on our own up here. We sort of were to start with, but I, I could never imagine myself living in Sydney ever again. Not, and I'm not a Sydney. I, I, well, yeah, I wasn't so much asking whether you wanted to live in Sydney, but yeah, whether there was any regrets about having uh, taken this whole no. journey. No, there's been times <laughs> where I go. I'd just love to have my weekends back, go to work, get paid by the man, know that I don't have to no worry risk. about anything at night, the risk is gone, I don't have to ride that small business roller coaster that you get when you're trying to manage finances and money and payroll and and staff and cost of goods sold and all of the all of the the taxes and all, everybody you have to pay, your music licence. It just everybody's got their hand in, hand out, and I sometimes I just think, oh, geez, it'd be nice not to have to worry about that. And that's in all honesty. It was pretty fun when we were in our early thirties, living in the inner west of Sydney, no kids, go and see bands and stuff. <laughs> that was fun, but that was then. I'm I'm happy with what we've got. That's now. a lifestyle yeah. choice up here. Oh, see, I was just about to come to that. A lot of people see owning a brewery as a lifestyle. Um, you know, there's that whole... Not the you... owning the brewery bit. The living here is the lifestyle choice. The work, we've never worked harder in our lives. That was what I was going to ask. A lot of people say, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in no, your life. And rubbish. Yeah, one, of the, one of the things that I... Um, That's rubbish. And I picked up from your, your chat with Jamie Cook where he said... It's, it's not work-life balance, it's more of a work-life blend and, and that resonated with me and that's probably um, what I feel here, you know, because I, I love the beer so much, I love making it, I love drinking it, but it is hard work as well. So for me, it is that, that work-life blend and, and even most of our friends here, we've either met through work or, or through the kids' school and stuff like that, but the majority of our friends, we... We have met through work here. Yeah, it's lifestyle place to live, but I've never worked harder in my life. The Sunny Coast has become something of a, a powerhouse in, in Queensland and, and, and nationally. You guys were the second brewery to really open on the Sunshine Coast. Now there's 17 and, and more to come. 
Um, how do you feel about that? You know, is it exciting to be in that space, or you know, do you roll your eyes a little bit every time you hear of a new one opening? Look, it is exciting. Um, and look, we're, we're proud to be part of the Sunshine Coast Brewing community, you know, and, and, and we're proud of, you know, the things that our peer, that we're proud of what we've done and what we've achieved. Um, you know, I think we've definitely punched above our weight in terms of awards and things compared to, you know, the size of the, that we are. But we're also proud of the other breweries here, you know, um, say competitors that sort of not really are but um you know the guys like your mates have done an amazing job matt up at brouhaha is is banging out some great stuff up there um you know there's too many to mention but we're, we're definitely proud to be part of this region but also we see another one pop up and we go another fucking brewery on the <laughs> but look I, I remember saying to council when we were having discussions about our new site and and butting heads with them a little bit i remember saying to them you know there's no reason why we can't be like a wine region you know and and in much the same way that the barossa is or or even look at what you know the inner west in sydney's done as well so um, the barossa for beer yeah yeah you know, I'm sure I someone else has that as well, but um, yeah, look, it's a great little spot here. It does have its shortcomings in some ways in that it's just so spread out. It's not like in the inner west in Sydney where you can pretty much walk everywhere or Wellington in New Zealand. You can, But that would work in your favour, wouldn't it? Does it does work in our favour. It makes it harder to catch up with everyone. Um, <laughs> but it's good for Josh with his... Um, craft brewery tours you know because you've got to you got to drive everywhere so. people are going to think josh is paying us a lot of money he gets so many mentions on this podcast but he is he just such a, a dynamo look, look and and he's good friends of ours and it was actually quite weird we um when we met him for the first time up here sharon and josh knew each other from um from, from, sydney. from sydney so yeah years ago when i was a lot younger <laughs> <laughs> But if, if, if I came to you um, and said, look, I want to open a brewery on the, on the Sunshine Coast, what, what one bit of advice um, would you give me um, as, as somebody who is coming to it like you did from outside of the industry? Oh, council is your first. Yeah, make sure you got that squared away. Make sure you got your zoning squared away, your site squared away, your finances squared away. We were probably a little bit lucky in that we didn't forcibly... Like we didn't voluntarily give up our day jobs to start this. Like I was made redundant, and then so that that choice was sort of taken out of our hands. And then we started this business, and the venue was already going. But so it we wasn't were, successful. Like that was a thing. So did did you come in earning money, or did you come in losing money? No, we came in using money. Yeah, we built it up to be yeah. earning money. But there was still money coming in the door. Yeah. So a lot of people start businesses like this with keeping their day jobs, and you know this. We've is... heard of heaps of people brewing that have day jobs. Do you reckon you could have done it that way? I don't know. I don't know whether I would have. I, I honestly don't know. Um, <laughs> we've it would been, have been it would we've have been, been entrenched in this place for too long, eight years uh, now. Yeah, so I've had the. I've just been like a distant memory, earning money from having weekends. <laughs> I've just been consumed by this whole place for the last eight years that I that's a really tough question I don't know if I could have been focused on something else and then switch off at the end of the day and then come here and then um, start 
banging out some batches and putting a hundred percent into it. And, and, and I know that coffees. Yeah, and, and I know that there's plenty. That. I know that there's plenty that that have. Um, and I take my hat off to them. Not sure whether I could have I done that. I see some pretty tired eyes from the people that are. Yeah, you know. I don't know whether I would have been able to do the job justice if I hadn't have been able to concentrate on it one hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Matt and Chaz, thank you very much for having me at Moffat Beach. All the very best for the new venue. And we will uh, touch base with you, uh, you know, once you've gotten open. And hopefully you do get open in September and we'll sort of, uh, or August. Yep. Um, hopefully, and we'll sort of touch base. But thank you very much for, for having a conversation about uh, Moffat Beach Brewing Co. Thanks a lot, Matt. Cheers. Thanks, Matt. And that was Sharon and Matt Wilson. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. Your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of Beer as a Conversation. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. 